everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. Tonight, we're talking another repeat. Still at the Olympics. I feel like I've gone a little hard on the Olympics. I don't mean to make anyone mad or make America mad. I'm proud of all the athletes. Simone, she's the GOAT. Love them all. I just wish they were on, like, CBS. That's all. That's my only issue because NBC still has new content. And every other channel is in repeats over the summer. So why not put it on one of those channels? That's all. This makes perfect sense to me. That's all I'm saying. I'm not dissing the kayakers. Go kayak. We don't want to take a moneymaker away from NBC under any circumstances. No, no. Not like we have that power, but absolutely not. Right, exactly. (laughs) We want NBC to keep continuing. We need NBC to press on. Right. So we still get our paychecks, except we don't get paid by them. Except that's incorrect. <laughs> no. But all I could see myself in another situation getting into the Olympics. I could too. If that maybe if the announce if Leslie from Leslie Jones was one of the announcers, I would watch the whole thing. Oh yeah. So she's on Instagram. She's hilarious. If RuPaul and Leslie Jones could get together and host the Olympics, we'd Yeah. Or Leslie Jordan, love him. This would be great. Or Leslie, jo- all the Leslies. Let's just get them. Yeah, that'd be great. All the Leslies, if they were doing the announcing, I would be there. So I think I have been into the Olympics before. I can't tell you when. Right. It's like a certain, it's maybe just not every time for us, but this is just an off time. But maybe on another year, we would maybe have gotten into it. And I hate to say that I was into the London Olympics because it was London. You are an Anglophile. Yeah. And because I have an England problem, but I did watch that entire opening ceremonies. Okay, that's fair. And I was really into that TV show, 2012. If you guys have not seen the 2012, like BBC short documentary, it's like 12 episodes or something, go find it and watch it with Hugh Bonneville. Go find it. It's delightful. Yeah, so we are talking about Betrayed. I feel like it's the only Betrayed there is. How's that possible? That can't be right. I don't see how that's possible because I know there's a betrayal, I think. And I think there's a betrayal of trust. There might be a deadly betrayal that we've done, maybe. I don't know. But betrayed seems to be the only one. But just so you're watching the right one, season 25, episode 22, it's on Peacock, March 3rd, 2017. And you asked last week for one of our classic hosts. And what did I provide for you? The most classic host there is. My favorite. Katie's. Mr. Dennis is enough Murphy. Mr. Dennis is enough Murphy. And we're in Florida, which is he's our Florida man. It's perfect. And, you know, it's about to get crazy because we're in Florida. We're in Florida, Florida, too. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but yeah. Like Florida, like Florida, because we're in like fancy Florida. The Florida, Florida. There's like Florida with the Florida where you're a little nervous. And then there's Florida where it's like there's swimsuits and like shopping. And you know what I'm saying? Like the sun is shining and it's Miami. It's that kind of Florida. Yeah. Except we're in Fort Lauderdale. Same vibe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to Fort Lauderdale. Bienvenidos, Fort Lauderdale. You made it work. You made it work. It doesn't have the same ring. It's okay. But the boldest, brassiest bunch of... I love the alliteration, Dennis. Political, politically connected lawyer players. 
So we see this particular lawyer player with just so many photos with Republicans. We see him posing in photos with Rudy Giuliani, not getting political, Kimberly. Jeb Bush, not getting political, Kimberly. His name is Scott Rothstein, and he has the firm Rothstein, Rosenfeld, and Adler. Thoughts? I think they're my people, and I'm ashamed. Why? We'll find out. Well... We are in a penthouse. We all make mistakes. <laughs> we are in a penthouse office suite with views of the ocean and a telescope that I think solely exists so you can perv into other people's windows. Yeah, if you live in a penthouse, you should have a telescope. But in your office? I mean, it looks fancy. I don't. I think it's for show. I think it's what I saw of that office, because we see like the corner office, the big boss office. Is that what you're talking about? The one with like the circular desk. Okay, that office, everything in that is called objet. Where it's not objects, it's objet that's purely there because it's expensive. I don't think anyone's looked through that. Maybe he does for dramatic effect when he's meeting with a client. He goes and looks at the telescope and whirls around and says, he's guilty. That's, you know. <laughs> the SOB is guilty. I think he's more like looking in the penthouse suites across the thing and being like, that lady's naked again. He's not doing that. He doesn't have time for that. This is, we have two. Not one, but two statues of eagles, which is... Yes, double eagle. Second only to the wooden duck statues, I think is the rich man's decorate desk accessory of choice. And stand-up globe that could also be a bar. I think it might have opened into a mini bar. 100%. A fancy one of those hourglasses filled with sand. Yes, ma'am. Ob J. It's like he said, get me the fanciest tchotchkes that have no personal connection to me whatsoever. Did you ever see Michael Jackson do that shopping trip in Las Vegas? No. He goes to these like wild stores with all of this gold object, like where it's just like everything's encrusted in like swirls and gold. And he just like, like, right. Oh, that one. Oh, my God. And that one and that one. And it's like a big stuffed tiger or whatever. Right. This is that. This guy has gone and been like, uh, how much does that cost? Oh, that's $3,000. Do you have one that costs five? I want the $5,000 one. It's the opposite of how you and I decorate our places, which is like everything has to have like some sort of meaning behind it. Like, I really like this piece of art or someone gave this to me that I like. You don't just like go buy things to decorate just to fill the space. No, I've been through those aisles in Ross. You know, the the aisle in Ross that has like like the funny vases and the little statues of like a bulldog and like, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, yeah. I enjoy that aisle, but I've never purchased anything from that aisle. See, there you go. See? But now I might. Now you might. Okay. Object. <laughs> I'm going to send one to you too. So we get a local reporter off the bat, which is early for us. Usually they're much later. He tells us that these guys went from a few guys with law degrees to a juggernaut by the mid-2000s with over 70 attorneys. That's so many. I thought they said 17. That's so many attorneys. That's a huge firm led by Scott Rothstein. I can't fully express to people how much he looks like a scamming in his photos, but it exudes from his like smile, his skin, his fingers, 
like he, literally his thumbs, the way he pushes out his suit when he's posing, it's it just oozes from him. Like if I walked into a room and they were like, this is your lawyer, I would scream Ponzi and I would run away. Like he just looks like the epitome of a D-bag. I would say if I watched it, it's on in the words of Wario in Mario Kart. I'm a Wario. I'm a gonna win. I'm a gonna win. That's what, do you remember? (laughs) That's what he says. That's what Mario says. Oh, it's Wario says it. He goes, Wario, I'm a gonna win. I swear I thought Mario said that. You know what? You're probably right. I'm backing off. That's definitely true. It's <laughs> no, Mario. I'm out of here. Nope. That's my. Nope. 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 You're pro- you know the video games more than I do. I. That's not true, Adam. <laughs> if I'm wrong, take it out. I think I'm. I think I'm wrong. <laughs> All right. So Melissa Lewis was very earnest. She was a by the book workaholic. Remember that by the book. She worked there for him. And we do see video of her dancing at a work party in a very dorky but endearing sort of way, I thought, like Elaine's dance. Kind of cute. That seems right. Yeah. But like, yeah, she was dancing like no one was watching and I loved it. Her death, because she dies, would be wrapped up in a chain of events right out of a John Grisham novel, Dennis tells us. Betrayal, murder and billions of dollars in fraud called it. Office manager Deborah Vieja thought that Melissa was a great lawyer and the two ladies became best friends. They were like sisters and they started when the firm was early and they watched it grow tenfold. And now we see more photos of Scott with Arnold Schwarzenegger not getting political, Sarah Palin not getting political, John McCain. I just want to point out, though, it doesn't mean he knows all these people. You can pay thousands of dollars to get photos with these people. I think he's going to the kind of dinners where you pay a lot of money per plate and then you have paid enough money to take a picture with the person in person. So he's making sure that he has a wall full of pictures with impressive people so that when people come into his office, yes, he's putting his money into and he's in Florida where definitely Republican candidates are going to look the best on his wall because this is a red state. So, I mean, I think you can't We don't actually know anything about him. We just know that he's not stupid. Well, there's one video with John McCain that kind of makes it look like he was maybe hosting the fundraising event. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So that might have been later in his career, but I bet you're right. And he prepped his walls early with these photos. Nothing wrong with that. It's also not stupid. Not stupid. Very smart. It makes you look very important. We do see him with the past president, no comment. So Melissa specialized in employment law and volunteers her time with battered women cases and victims rights. She sounds awesome. We'd love when people make it big and give back. That's amazing. She seems like an incredible person. Yeah. She met a lawyer from a different firm. They got married, but then they got divorced. They don't have any children, but she's close to her, her sister's children. And then her BFF, Deborah, her marriage was in trouble which becomes very important. So she helps out with Deborah's kids, supports Deborah. They were inseparable. They were cooking to get, she would cook for the family, help with the kids, do everything. They were like legitimately like sisters, what Deborah said. Like sisters or life partners. And she had the best line. She said, like my sister, she saw all of my faults and flaws and loved me anyways. And I thought, 
in many a dateline, it's rare that we hear someone describe their friend in such like a loving way. Like, yeah, in a real way. She didn't say like the standard fare. It was like she saw that I was an imperfect person and loved me in spite of those things. Yeah. I just thought that was very refreshing to hear in a, it was not a canned answer. It was very real. No, it was not very, yes, I totally agree. And it made you also like Deborah and Melissa a lot right from the jump. Absolutely. Like you're rooting for them. Absolutely. Melissa became the first female partner of the firm, which is what an accomplishment. That's huge. And then Deborah got promoted to chief operating officer and she had started out as like office manager. So incredible. They started from the bottom. Now they here and good for them. Let the river run. It is that, isn't it? <laughs> Let all the dreamers wake the nation. Oh, it is come the new Jerusalem. Rosenstein, Rothstein, Rosenthal <laughs> and company. Wait, why is Lewis is a partner? Why doesn't she get her name in the firm? Because there's probably a ton of partners. There's probably, if you're like, you don't get your name on the firm until you're like one of the senior, senior partners. There were probably like 70 lawyers and like 10 partners. I don't know. But she was the first female. Well, that's why I feel like she should have gotten her name. Well, yeah, maybe and it maybe it was going to happen. But a week after she became partner, she disappeared. Oh, boy. It was in 2008. She was gone. Deborah couldn't find her. No one had heard from her. Scott calls a police officer that he knew. He knows all the police officers, which he's like, deeply connected with the cops, which makes me even more likely that he is a criminal. <laughs> yeah. So he knows all the politicians and all the cops. Yeah. He's well connected. That seems right. The cop goes to her house. Her car was gone, but there's an orange spray paint in the garage that was pepper spray, which I did not know pepper spray was orange. To me, it looked like Snooky was in there and was like self-tanning herself. But Apparently, or pepper spray is orange. Yeah. And Melissa carried pepper spray for protection. Melissa has a dog and there's pepper spray on the dog's face. No, thank you. Dateline. I wish they would have left that out. I was very upset. They didn't show it. First of all, they show the dog's face not covered in pepper spray. Let's be clear. They show an adorable picture of a black and white dog. But now I'm imagining it even worse. I was more worried that we were going to see a dog with like red eyes. And I, it, no, it was not like that. It was not like this. No. And then Sarah McLaughlin is playing and the dog is actually crying. In the eyes. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. So, so, so Melissa's sister knew that she had gone to the supermarket after work that day and they follow her on cameras and they find her on camera shopping. Now I have a question for you, Katie. Yeah. Whenever I catch myself catch a glimpse of myself on surveillance footage at the drugstore, I just look so blah. And I'm just thinking, how is the security store clerk who is watching the video to see if anyone is shoplifting nasal spray supposed to fall in love with me if I'm not popping on camera, if I can't bat my eyelashes at him? I just look so gray because it's a black and white video. I think it's probably time for you to try something new in your beauty routine. Yeah, I think so too. Do you know what a beauty routine is? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, then let's go ahead and start with the most important part of making your face glamorous, mm -hmm. which is 
using glamnetic lashes. Mm. Let me tell you a little bit about my makeup history. In high school, I was known as the mascara queen, <laughs> which means layers upon layers upon layers of mascara applied to, to curled eyelashes that were curled so tight that they went straight up to the sky. <laughs> it was no surprise that I started to experiment with harder lash systems when I got to college. <laughs> It's a gateway. The mascara is a gateway. It was a gateway. Mascara was a gateway. Working with my own eyelashes was no longer enough as their volume and length was, quite frankly, extremely disappointing. So pitiful. By this time, I have tried probably about, I would say, 75 to 90 percent of all false eyelash brands on the market. So I was thrilled to be introduced to Glamnetic, which means I can leave the worst part of lash extensions, false eyelashes behind, which is the dang glue. Oh, yeah. It can be a really messy, time-consuming application. It takes a minute to perfect a false eyelash. Mm -hmm. But Glamnetic is the world's first six-magnet lash. They're made for easy application and all-day hold. Glamnetic has also sold over 500,000 pairs of lashes in 2020 alone. So I was ready and willing to start on a new lash journey, leave the glue behind, and I had to try these out for myself. Glamnetic takes under a minute to apply with no toxic glue, no struggle, and you get up to 60 uses per lash out of their lashes. What? I know. So they're more eco-friendly. Oh, I thought they were like disposable. No. You can keep using them. You keep using them over and over because it's a magnet. With The thing that ruins false eyelashes is the glue. The glue. Right. So this is just a magnet that you're applying to your eye. They have over 75 styles for your perfect fit, which goes from completely natural to full glam. You get a different lash for every mood. They also have some colorful lashes, which are really exciting and enticing. Oh, that's so fun for dress up parties. Yeah, I have a markdown, which ones I would like to try because it's really like also a colored lash can really make your eye pop. If you get a sort of a purple undertone with a green eye. That's true. Or a brown with a blue eye. It's unbelievably gorgeous. And the best thing is because they have all different kinds of lashes, it means they also have vegan and cruelty free options available. Yes. For our vegan folks out there. And you can sort on their site by length, by the type of actually kind of material used in the lash, by the shape of the lash. Like I love a cat eye shape for my eye type. So the cat eye shape is a flare. It goes out more on the ends and tapers in towards the middle. So it gives you a sort of like doe eye look. That's the cat eye shape. Mm -hmm. But they have all different shapes and sizes. And then you can also sort by your unique eye shape, the shape of your eye. So if you have an almond shape, a deep set eye, a hooded eye, they have you covered. They've got it all figured out. They also have half lashes, which are kind of my favorite. They just apply to the outer half of your eye. And again, oh, that's nice. It's great because again, this is all done with magnets and a magnetic liner. It's so easy to put on. And also the magnetic lash liner that actually applies the lashes to your eye comes in different shades. So I am loving, there is a bronze toned one that I love at if I don't feel like using a black. So if I'm wearing a more natural lash, I put on the brown, the bronze liner. And then it's not like a heavy black eyeliner look. It's more natural looking. No one will ever know. You can take their lash quiz or use the lash guide to help find the style that suits you best. They have a 100% money back guarantee 
expedited shipping with free shipping to the United States and Canada's on any orders over $30. This is a win-win-win. You guys have to try them out. Find out for yourself why Glamnetic Lashes are Instagram's favorite beauty hack. Go to glamnetic.com slash date dateline and enter our promo code date dateline for 30% off your order. This code is available only for Date with Dateline listeners. That's glamnetic.com slash date dateline and enter our promo code Date Dateline at checkout for 30% off. Guys, these lashes literally apply themselves. So for eyes that magnetize and mesmerize, try <laughs> Glamnetics. Thank you, Glamnetics. Security store clerk, here I come. That's right. They're, they're really, really fun. Give them a shot, you guys. I'm excited. So Melissa's car has OnStar and it tells the cops that the car was half a mile away in a parking lot. Now, at this point, I realize OnStar is missing a huge marketing opportunity by not marketing their car system more towards true crime fans because it's normal. They have this commercial where it's like, I see that you've been in an accident. Don't worry. We've sent out the ambulance. You're going to be fine. And it's like talks to you very soothing. But what it should be is like, we've sensed that there's a serial killer in the backseat of your car. Can we assist you? And I think you'd get a lot more fires that way. I think that if you brought that to the board, you'd get fired. That would be a really funny thing to watch, though. <laughs> Just you'd have like the boards, the follow the advertising boards. Yeah. Here's the ad we're proposing. <laughs> and it's like someone in the backseat with like a mask. No, absolutely not. They'd be like, thank you for your time. Clean out your desk. It's not. We're sort of a family brand. That's not. They're missing out a huge. True crime is huge right now. I'm sorry. I'm offering you a billion dollar idea on Star. It is not my fault that you are refusing to take it. You have your boards under your arm. Big mistake. Huge. <laughs> I'm going to take my proposal and go. You got a pretty woman. It. Good for you. Go get him, Julia. I'm going to go to Garmin or some other company that does things with cars. Oh. So Dennis goes to the parking lot with the cop. Dennis loves to be on scene when it's in Florida. Yes, he does. With an untucked shirt. He's casual, Dennis. Cash. Cash, Dennis. Casual Dennis. He's in Florida. He's in his home turf. Police find a small drop of blood in the car and Melissa's shoes, which is very strange. No fingerprints besides hers. Then we go to a nearby canal. Dennis is also there. He's on a full guided tour of the saddest parts of this town. Parking lot canal. And a worker has found her body there. She's been strangled. It's a whodunit. Mark it off your bingo cards. Every episode is a whodunit, but they don't always say it. And they actually said it this time. This is a whodunit. Detectives can't find any bad blood with anyone that Melissa was suing, which I don't see how that is even possible. Like, was she that nice? Even people she was suing, they were like, yeah, but she's nice. Hmm. Very strange. Also, her ex-husband has an alibi. So it wasn't the ex-husband. Melissa's sister thinks maybe it was her ex-husband because Melissa's firm had served him with the divorce papers. And at one point he had showed up at Melissa's house to scare her. And he has a record. So big suspect. Yeah. Melissa's iPhone is missing. So they get the records to track it. Someone has gone into her voicemail 
since she's been taken and read her texts and her voicemail, which Dennis is oblivious to. He thinks that is he not oblivious, baffled. He thinks it is either bold or stupid or both. Oh, boy. Because he knows about technology now. This is season 25. He's like, remember in the early episodes, he'd be like, so there are these things called cell phone pings. Now he thinks we all know, but he knows about them. We all know about them. And he thinks the criminal is an idiot. So he says to the detective, they didn't know about cell phone pings. And then he elaborates to the detective by saying, the cell phone is telling the towers, here I am. Yes, that is exactly. I want him to start belting out. It sounds dangerously like you're making fun of him and I don't appreciate it. Okay. No, not at all. It's just delightful. When he says, here I am, I wanted him to start belting out, don't rain on my parade. Oh, I was thinking more, here I am, the one that you love. I love you in so many ways. What song is that? Which song is that? That's like an elevator music song. I'm, apologies. So Dennis is more likely to sing that probably than a show tune. So you're probably right. Yeah, he is actually. Then don't rain on my parade. I feel like he'd more likely to sing that. No, I am right in that. Yep. (laughs) So the detective tells Dennis the cell phone towers are like someone's dropping pieces of popcorn, leaving us a trail, which I've popcorn. Is that I Googled it. I gave it a bing. Because we were like, there were two expressions in our last double date that we hadn't heard of that were both expressions. But thank goodness we we gave him a bang on the air. I gave it a bang. I couldn't find anything about leaving popcorn trails. It's just leaving breadcrumbs. But maybe popcorn is the fancier way to do that. Maybe that's just what Dennis leaves. Is the Dennis the one that said it? No, it was the detective. Oh, then I got nothing. That's like his own thing. That's his jogging pants to bear. I don't know. <laughs> After they believe she was killed, her phone goes to Miami Gardens and was there for most of the night. So they think it was someone that lived in Miami Gardens. And then the next day, the phone went to Fort Lauderdale and then Pompano Beach and then back to Fort Lauderdale. And at some point, the phone was turned off or the killer just tossed it somewhere. It stopped moving, stopped transmitting. Question. What's the name of the place? Miami something? Miami Gardens. But that's not... In Miami. No, I don't think so. I think it's like a neighborhood. It's like a subdivision. I think so. I'm not looking at a map to test because I don't care. I don't care to. We don't know. How far is Miami from Fort Lauderdale? Don't know. Keep going. No idea. I'll just double check. Okay. So police look into, did Melissa know anyone who lives in Miami Gardens? No one knows of anyone that she would know that lives in Miami Gardens. Except for Deborah her best friend. She knows someone that lives in Miami Gardens, but she doesn't think it could be him. But Dennis tells us cops are funny. They don't just take people's word on things, which is true. They are funny. They are funny that way. It was very fun. He had some funny things this episode. He does. He has this own way of talking. I wrote a few of them down. You've missed one that I'll bring up at the end. He was really a lot. Miami Gardens, real quick, is like between Fort Lauderdale and Miami. It's like its own city. Mm-hmm. Probably not important at all, but maybe. We'll see. Okay. So now people aren't going to come at us because now we have the information. We know now. Now we know. When you know better, you do better. Now, Deborah t- says, 
the person that I know that lives in Miami Gardens is dun 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 my husband who I'm getting a divorce from. Oh boy. He lives in Miami Gardens, but he's only met Melissa a few times. He barely knows Melissa. He drives a train for a living, which I was delighted. We never have train stuff on Dateline, except everyone is screaming at me, strangers on a train. I know it's on our list to do. We might do it. We're going to do it because it's on my list too. So there you go. Oh, good. Then we will do it. Police bring in Tony. He says what we all, what Deborah said, I barely know Melissa. I've only met her a couple times. But police know something that he doesn't know that they know, which is what they know, which is that Melissa's phone was on his train route or route, whichever you prefer, the day after the murder. Uh Uh-oh. Someone on his train has Melissa's phone the day after the murder, and she only knew Tony that had anything to do with that train. Therefore. So, Tony... But Tony is saying, I told you, I literally do not, I barely know this woman. Like I've met her three times, but he does admit he and Deborah are going through this divorce and he does get very jealous when Deborah hangs out with other guys. And then he gives us one of the classiest expressions we've ever heard on Dateline. Nope. Used to express someone's jealousy. No, we will not be discussing it. (laughs) Which is. Nope. You want me to do it? Yeah, you do it. <laughs> I don't like flies on my meat. I can't. I don't know what it means. I don't like it. Let's move on. It's not great. I don't. I also do not know what it means. Tony, it makes you unlikable. Something about hunting. I'm assuming that your attorney, who was not uh, Roth Rothstein, would say absolutely never say that again. Don't say that again. And don't say that in an interview with a microphone. No. To be recorded by the cops. To the tell, you tell that, don't tell that to the police. It does not make you seem innocent. Dennis calls it crass, which I agree. What does it mean though? It Like if you're a, like a lion and you hunt, if you leave the it for too long, flies would come and sit on the meat. I don't feel like I need to break it down. But the woman is the meat. That's the gist of it. Yes. That's the gross part. So detectives think he would be jealous of maybe Melissa spending so much time with his wife, like taking his place at the house. I don't know if they're implying that he thinks that like Deborah and Melissa are like lovers or if he would just be jealous because she has a new person around the house and around the kids and it's Melissa. I think he's literally just jealous of time. Yeah. He's just jealous of her time, period. If her time is not spent with him, it doesn't matter who it's with. If it's not him or his kids. Yeah. So they also think, what if he thinks that Melissa is the catalyst for Deborah to divorce him? Would that be reason to kill her? Oh, like she suggested it. Correct. Because she's gone through a divorce already. So Dennis makes a great point to the detective. If you're lethally angry about a divorce, why not kill the wife? Essentially, he's asking the detective, did you strain your shoulder from that reach? But he's not that sarcastic. The detective says, well, we're thinking if he gets caught and he kills Melissa, Deborah would still be around to raise their children. So maybe that's why he wouldn't just kill Deborah and chose to kill the best friend instead. 
it's real thin. It's really thin. It's thin. Of a motive. Yeah. It's like prosciutto. So, but Deborah does say that Tony was kind of a scary guy. He was violent with the kids. She was scared of him, but she doesn't think he would have any reason to kill Melissa. And so when the police tell her that's what they think, she's just devastated. She feels so guilty. She, I mean, this was her best friend. She feels absolutely horrible. Police arrest. Yeah, as you would. You would. You'd never get past that. No. Police arrest Tony and they're seeking the death penalty. Meanwhile, back at the law firm, Scott is also devastated. He had just made Melissa partner and now he's helping pay for her funeral. And so he was also very, or was he very feeling guilty about something? And that's why he's paying for a funeral. There we go. So the minute they tell us that, I was like, "Eh, what? He paid for the funeral? Because it's not that he seems, I don't know how nice of a guy he is. He was very fond of Melissa. Yes, he was. But then at this point, I'm like, okay, we know she's single. Were they in a relationship? Mm -hmm. Like him paying for the funeral seemed like a lot, seemed, Mm -hmm. or was he just that big of a showboat that it was like, I'll I'll handle this, pulls out the black Amex. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? I couldn't, it didn't ring, but I don't know. I don't know their relationship. Maybe that's how they were together and he loved her so much that he wanted to, I don't know. It just something about it. It was surprising that he paid for the entire funeral. Like I could understand him paying for one part of it, but like coming into the funeral home and chunking down your credit card was surprising. Well, he's also acting strangely in other ways. He beefs up his own security and acts very paranoid and maybe seem to think like he might be next. And police don't understand why he's acting like that. So now we know something's wrong. Okay. Okay. So now we know. Deborah knows why he's acting this way, and she's going to tell us shortly. So he was a high-profile mover and a shaker. I don't think you can be one without the other. Can you just be a mover? Can you just be a shaker? You have to shake it. A shaker is like a religion, right? No, that's a Quaker. A high-profile shaker. <laughs> but isn't sh- aren't the shakers also a religion? Maybe they are. I think you might be right. So if the shakers are also a religion, that means you're something else. So you could just be a shaker, but could you just be a mover without shaking it? Yes. In that case, you work for whatever. A moving company. Right. You work for Penske. Right. The trucks, the truck rental. There you go. So he's a mover and a shaker. So the best of both worlds, really. Mm -hmm. A kid from the Bronx who made it big and he loves it. Yes, Shakers are a religion. You bet. Great job, Katie. Okay. (laughs) A kid from the Bronx who had made it big, he loved to show off how big he was. And he wasn't shy about making jokes about how he got there. So they show that a lot of home movies of him at various like Christmas parties for the company firm. And at one of them, he just says, how did we get here? By breaking the law. He's like, we're lawyers. Who else is going to break the law if not for lawyers? And he pictured this like big Bronx guy with a microphone, also a cigar, also chewing on a cigar at the party. So like Jackie Gleason, but like (laughs) more toned and tan, like, hey. Yeah. 
Like a wise guy. Yes, like a, I don't know the a right term. I don't want to, I don't want to, there's two words that I can think of that start with G's. Me too. Maybe slurs, and so I'm not going to say them. We can't say those words. That kind of guy. And just nothing demure, nothing super, again, not classy. Day class A. If anyone has seen Bugsy Malone, think Fat Sam, but without the F word. Right. Or if you have maybe not seen Bugsy Malone, because it's not everyone's favorite movie, but it is one of Katie's favorite movies, maybe like The Godfather or something like that. (laughs) A a movie that you might be more familiar with. Got to bring up more Jewish references for our Jewish listeners. (laughs) I need you to do that. You just start throwing in like... But Bugsy Malone, they should watch. It's a big recommend from Katie. You definitely just, because it's an experience, you just, yeah, you, yeah, you do. But anyways, it is, he seems like also kind of a big grown up kid. He has kind of a boy face. I don't know how to describe him. Do you know what I'm saying? He's not like, he's not scary looking. You know, like Boss Baby? Yes. The Boss Baby cartoon who has a cigar sticking out of his face, but he's an actual baby. But does he seem scary to you? No, he doesn't. He seems sleazy to me. Yeah, a bit, maybe a bit, maybe, yeah. But we're also, we're not used to Miami money. We don't know anything about this world. That's true. Yeah. I've met a lot of Hollywood money type people and they can kind of be the same. But that's slick. That's not sleazy. This guy isn't slick. He's sleazy. Yeah. Yeah. So he loved to show off how big he was, how he break broke all the rules to get there, openly saying we're breaking the law. It's kind of like one of those action movies. He's like, bad boys for life, breaking the law. Well, and it's also, you know, he doesn't mean breaking the law, breaking the law. He's using it like a clever play on words. Like we broke the law down. But like still, I don't know. His motivational style is interesting. It is. It really is. But it seemed to work because people are cheering for him in the crowds like they love him. He's charismatic. So he had a waterfront house, an 87 foot yacht. As you do. A million dollar Bugatti, which blows, I can't comprehend that a car costs that much money. A Maserati, a Lamborghini, fancy watches. I don't have any of those things and I don't really have any desire to have those things, but I would work for Scott in a heartbeat if it meant I could afford central air conditioning. Oh yeah. Even though he looks like one of those lawyers in Devil's Advocate that sold his soul to Al Pacino to make his money. Same. I, I would, Yeah, still do it. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that every May or so, I start complaining about the heat in my apartment and the relentless complaining lasts until about October. The worst is sleeping. Katie's like, yes, that checks out. The worst is sleeping because my wall unit is in my living room and my bed is, spoiler alert, in my bedroom. And it's like sleeping on the actual sun. So what I usually do is I start in my bed. I get so frustrated with how hot it is and that I can't fall asleep. I go out to the living room. I lay on the couch by the AC. I try to fall asleep, cannot fall asleep, go back to the bed. And thus the dance continues. So for this is like every single night for several months out of the year because it's so hot. I am not alone in being an unsuccessful sleeper. Only about 44% of Americans report getting a restful sleep almost every night, which maybe explains why everyone is so cranky all the time and why there are so many Dateline episodes. Because 
56% of us are sleep deprived. I think Chili Sleep, the company which has saved my life, might be able to prevent actually quite a few of the datelines that are happening just from being sleep deprived. Chili Sleep makes the Uller and the Cube sleep systems. They are hydro power, that's water. Hydro is water powered, temperature controlled mattress toppers. They fit over your existing mattress and they provide your ideal sleep temperature. If you're a cold sleeper, if you're a warm sleeper, I'm a very hot sleeper. Science shows that your body temperature is supposed to drop when you fall asleep and colder when you fall into deep sleep and then get warmer when it's time to wake up. But when it's hot all the time, and if you're hot like me when you're sleeping, it's like impossible to ever get that deep sleep. But today, I'm going to tell you guys all about that later. But like today, I'm just excited to introduce you to the Uller system and the Cube system from Chili Sleep. Basically, I feel like I'm introducing you guys to my new boyfriend. I love him so much. We just met. I know it's fast, you guys but we're getting married because I literally can't sleep without him. He's changed my sleep and thus my entire life. And we're also going to hear from Oliver next time because Oliver's a huge fan as well. Yes. Check out Chili Sleep, you guys. So just so excited. Really, I can't explain what it feels like to get into a cool bed with cool sheets. It's just incredible when it's 90 degrees outside, 95 degrees outside, even at night. It's just magical. Head over to chilisleep.com forward slash date dateline to learn more and save 20% off the purchase of any sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for a date with dateline listeners only for a limited time. That's chili, C-H-I-L-I sleep dot com forward slash date date line to take advantage of our exclusive discount. Wake up refreshed every day. Thank you, Chili Sleep, for being such a life game changer and my new boyfriend. Thank you, Chili Sleep. We're getting married, guys. Oh, I found true love. I'm trying to think of a wedding song and I can't. <laughs> Tonight I celebrate my Chili Sleep. <laughs> you can sing it at our wedding. Katie, tell me how your face looks so amazing with your makeup, but you look so natural, but also everything is just fabulous all the time. Oh, because, oh yeah, because I do a full face of makeup every day. Is that what you mean? No matter what, rain or shine, that's thanks to Thrive. If you guys have not heard us talk about Thrive Cosmetics and tried them for yourself already, what are you waiting for? Thrive Cosmetics makes high-performance, vegan, 100% cruelty-free products without the use of parabens, sulfates, or phthalates. Thrive Cosmetics never tests on animals. They're Leaping Bunny and PETA certified, 100% vegan, cruelty-free. And they're awesome. That means they're approved by Charlemagne from last week's Double Date. Oh, yes. And approved by Kimberly and Katie. Thrive Cosmetics are made with clean, high-performance, skin-loving ingredients, Their formulas not only highlight your best features, they actually improve your skin over time, which is how I feel every time I use the Bright Balance 3-in-1 cleanser. I am still using it every day, morning and night. It is my daily go-to cleanser. It leaves my skin feeling super fresh and supple. It's clean without that stripped dry feeling. I had just come back from being on the road and I had to use other cleansers. It was a mistake. I should have brought my Thrive cleanser with me because when I came back and felt the difference, I was like, this is right. 
this is the cleanser that I want. It's just the perfect cleanser that's good for my skin. Also, the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. My mother's and millions of other people's favorite top number one mascara. It is Thrive's best-selling product for a reason. Their award-winning mascara is dermatologist-tested, ophthalmologist-approved. That means that it's gentle enough for sensitive eyes to be worn by contact lens wearers like myself, like my mom. Also, it's really easy to remove. They have this tubing formula where when you remove the mascara, it slides off in tubes. Like you could even just like take your fingers after you wet your eyes, you know, and then pull it. It's amazing. But then somehow it stays on all day. It's an incredible mascara. The formula is completely innovative and my mother cannot live without it. Go give it a try if you haven't tried it already. It's life changing for people with sensitive eyes or anyone that just likes really nice looking lashes. It's a great mascara. Also, while you're at the website, check out the liquid balm lip treatment that both Kimberly and I very much like. Yes, I do. Isn't it nice? It has just this sort of subtle lip plumper, but also I'm not a big gloss fan. This feels like a treatment and a gloss together. Again, this is the liquid balm lip treatment. It's incredible. And also check out the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It is a cream to powder highlighter. I've been using that when we do our live streams for Patreon. I put it in the corner of my eye. I knew it. And Katie, I didn't tell Katie, but she every time I'd use it, she's like, you look really good. Your face looks really good. I almost said something last time because I thought I saw like a slight twinkle for a second because that's all you do with the brilliant eye brightener is you just pop it into the inner corners of your eye and it instantly brightens your whole look. I mean, literally, you could pair that with the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. Boom, you're done. Yeah. Get get out the door. And also, Thrive Cosmetics, above all of their amazing products, has a bold mission that is truly bigger than beauty. For every product purchased, they donate to help women thrive. This could be women emerging from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, fighting cancer, and a lot more. Amazing. This beauty brand goes way beyond being just skin deep. So we love everything about Thrive Cosmetics. That's right. Cause, C-A-U-S-E, Medics. Their products are some of the best I've ever tried, and their Bigger Than Beauty mission is truly inspiring. So you're going to love them just as much as we do. I know it. Visit thrivecosmetics.com slash date dateline for 15% off your first order. This is an exclusive offer you can only get here. That is thrive, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash date dateline for 15% off your first order thrivecosmetics.com slash date dateline start thriving yeah start thriving the new <laughs> I'm looking great today oh that's great oh thank you so much thrive so we go back to this local reporter who is looking at the law firm and he's saying to Scott, dude, how are you making all of your money? Yeah. How is this possible that you guys are making all this money? And Scott tells him, well, we have found this totally legal, cool way to, we don't go to trial. We settle out before we go to trial. And we have a way that we found to not have to pay for all these cases 
that you have to pay to file. And so basically, we find investors to fund these lawsuits. And they are specializing in age and sex discrimination lawsuits. And so he brings on investors to fund the filing and the working on these lawsuits. Then they are settled before they go to trial. And then he promises the investor that they get a big return when the case settles. I don't understand. I have never heard of this. I did not know that investors invested in lawsuits, but I guess you can invest in anything. But is this a new thing? I don't know. Is this something that's common? I've never heard of this before and I had a hard time following it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's it sounds shady, but I it's legal. Is it? Yes, I think so. That seems not legal. It sounds shady, but I think it's legal. We're going to have law calls. So a week before Melissa's murder, which is right around the time she was promoted to female partner, mm-hmm. not female partner, first female partner, he told Deborah, who remembers the chief financial operator? No, chief operating officer. Chief operating officer. He told her, I'm in over my head with these not nice people who, if I don't get their money to them, they're going to put a bullet in my head, which so they that does sound not nice. That sounds bad. It sounds downright mean. In fact, so what he asked Deborah to do is to forge some documents. No. And she does it. Not sure why. I mean, she's worked for the firm for a really long time since kind of the beginning. And I think she trusted him. And he told her it would be a one-time thing, which we could easily have told her, Deborah, it will not be a one-time thing. That is a hard thing to judge. It's it's never a one-time thing. I kind of don't judge her for it because it's kind of like, I don't know, you assume they know what they're doing. Maybe if they're your boss, I don't... Mm -hmm. I honestly don't know. I th- I'm sure people are going to come at me and be like, she should have known. Maybe. But maybe it was also a mistake. At least the first time was a mistake. I think she was put in a really, really bad position. And she's got kids at home. And yeah. And she. And she doesn't want to lose her job. And she's going through a divorce. I think a lot of stuff was going on. And she trusts this guy who has been her boss for a really long time and has promoted her inside the company. So she trusts him. And I think, unfortunately, I wish that she had talked to Melissa about it. Maybe she didn't. And Melissa maybe would have been able to help her out of this. Well, that we'll talk more about that later. That's an interesting point. Mm -hmm. So it was not a one time thing. He asked her again and again and again to forge documents because what she comes to realize is that all of the cases were made up. These are fake lawsuits. Oh my God. To fool investors. So like fake plaintiffs, fake information, all, it's all fake. At least a ton of them were. Because how can you keep generating that many cases? I know there's a lot of people that live in Florida, but to right. be constantly coming up with that many age and sex discrimination cases, like it's unbelievable. So he's just making them up. And so it's a Ponzi scheme. He's using that money from the investors to not fund lost suits, but to fund his own lifestyle, to have the money go inside his pocket. And then we see this infamous clip of him, which I feel like if this was like a trailer for Dateline, they would show it all the time. Yeah. 
Can you totally? It's like a trailer moment. And he's in the back of a limo, I believe. Town car. I don't know. Yeah. Or a, yeah, like a, he's being driven around and he is talking to a video camera and he's saying, we three kings be stealing the gold. I think it's just really out of context. So we have no idea what he's talking about. It just looks real sleazy. It looks so sleazy. And given the other moment with the cigar at the party being like, we're breaking the law. This is how we're making our money. We're breaking the law. It's not a good combo. It's not a good combo. He's just, okay. He's just that guy, right? I don't. He's that guy. He's boisterous. And yeah, he's a lot. So... This turns out to be, I was shocked, the largest Ponzi scheme in Florida history. Oh, my God. It was for a billion or a billion and a half dollars. Wow. So in over your head was an understatement. Understatement. For what happened here. Okay. This I got so far away from you. No, it's like saying Bernie Madoff was in under his head. Yeah. Bernie Madoff, it just got away from him. Yeah, it was just... How much did Bernie Madoff? I don't remember. I have a, How much money? Oh, that's a good question. Let's give it a bing. How much did Bernie Madoff steal or defraud? Abscond with. Sure. $17.5 or as much as $65 billion, including fictional profits. But $17.5 of actual money that was from investors that he defrauded. So, but this is not too shabby, Scott. You're at one or one and a half billion. So, and bear in mind, this is Florida and not, you know, Wall Street. So pretty good, Scott. It's been a year and a half since the murder. Tony, Deborah's husband, is waiting to go on trial. Guess who's disappeared, though? Scott. Oh, man. But Dennis tells us he's not another murder victim. He's a Bernie Madoff on the run. He has taken a private plane to Morocco with $16 million in cash and his collection of watches and jewelry. That's not stupid. It's very smart. At first I was thinking like, because you want to look good on the road, but then I was like, he probably thinks he can pawn them if he needs more money. You did not think that. For like a split second. A split second. It's insurance. Okay, okay. It's insurance so he can sell them for sure. Yeah. A month later, he comes back to Florida. Why? Because he made it. <laughs> Were you asking me for real? That was my first reaction was like, why? <laughs> when they tell us that in the episode, I was like, don't. Don't come back. They're looking for you, Scott. What have you done? Yeah, you got away. Scott, he comes back to Florida because he's made a deal with the FBI to act as an informant. So he wears a wire and he helps convict 26 people in his Ponzi scheme that he started and kept going and was all him, but it was other people that were involved too. And he got them all in trouble and he's wearing. It was 26? 26. I heard 126. So that makes me feel a little better. Oh, okay. Okay. He's wearing this horrible Ed Hardy shirt too. Like when he's getting off the private plane, I couldn't. But before you get too mad thinking that he's going to completely get off, which I was getting very mad. I was like, this was a whole his whole thing. He'll get other people in trouble. He's not going to, is he going to get off completely? No, he gets 50 years in prison. 
despite his cooperation. Why did he come back? (laughs) Exactly. You could have lived like a king in Morocco. Yeah, you're just going to die in prison. Why? There's a part of this story that we are not hearing. I don't understand. Okay. Something he did. He was unhappy in Morocco. I don't know. I'm trying to think of all the other fugitive episodes we've had. Like they usually had like Margaret Rudin. She had grandkids that she really wanted to see in the United States. That's why she came back. John McAfee was just insane. And yeah, I don't know what he was doing. But so Scott gets 50 years in prison despite his cooperation, which means it was actually way higher before the deal, which is kind of incredible. Whether Melissa knew about the Ponzi scheme is part of the mystery, the reporter tells us. Mm. But regardless of if she knew, this whole thing puts a huge hole in the case against Tony because this is reasonable doubt. Like maybe she did know, maybe that's why she was killed. Maybe it had something to do with that, had nothing to do with Tony and the divorce. That's huge, reasonable doubt. Yeah. So they talked to Deborah again. She says Melissa didn't know about the scheme and she doesn't think that Scott killed Melissa or maybe the cops theorize, did Scott hire Tony because he would know Tony through Deborah and he would know that he had a record? No, or was violent, was not a great guy and he knew there was a divorce, would Scott hire Tony to kill Melissa because she found out and was maybe going to turn him in or something? So did Melissa find, but we have no proof that Melissa found out. We have no proof that Melissa found out. And Deborah says she doesn't think Melissa knew. So she doesn't think Scott had anything to do with it. And the two are totally separate issues. And I think Melissa, the best friend, legitimately would have known. I don't think Deborah's just saying Melissa didn't know. But by that same token, if they're such so close, wouldn't Melissa have known that Deborah was in on something that she was upset about that was causing she was having to do things that made her uncomfortable? I think we need a better idea of the timeline here because I'm wondering if this stuff started amplifying, like if she had only signed one or two things before Melissa went missing and then all of a sudden after Melissa goes missing, she's signing a bunch of things. This may have just started around that time. That You're right, because he had asked, no, you're absolutely right, because this all happened like right before Melissa died, I think. Right. So, yeah, that's true. So she tells them something that we didn't know before, which is that when Katie guessed, did Melissa and Scott ever have a thing? They did have a thing, which is, he's gross. <laughs> but no, it kind of makes sense. I don't know. I mean, he was her boss and she was just out of law school. It was like years before. Yeah. And it was short. It was short. It was only a few weeks or a few months or something. It wasn't a real thing. It was like a sexy whatever. Yeah. But she doesn't think that has anything to do with it either. So depositions, they have depositions for these civil suits from the investors against Scott. And he testifies he had nothing to do with the murder. This lawyer tells us that he was indignant that he was even being accused of having something to do with the murder. But the lawyer also says that he's a great actor and a sociopath. So that lawyer does not like him very much. Brother, yeah, really. Yeah. The police and the FBI can't connect Scott to Melissa's murder. But we do see a great shot of an FBI candy raiding the house. And so even if this whole Ponzi scheme was a red herring and just a coincidence, 
I'm forever eternally grateful that we got that shot of the FBI candy. I didn't see him. Thank you, Dateline. He was cute. I did not see him. He's wearing one of those FBI jackets. Looks. Yeah, I saw the person in the FBI. <laughs> I have FBI candy blindness. <laughs> you have higher standards than me, I think. I can't see it. <laughs> I think I'm just not looking. You're married. That's good. Yeah, so probably that's good. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Deborah, you're like, unless it's Oliver, I see no other men. That's not true. I just don't. I mean, I don't know. I, did, I literally didn't notice. I think I have you have higher standards than I do. I declined to state. Which is good. No comment. Deborah pleads not guilty. To, or I'm sorry. Deborah pleads guilty to money laundering and she gets four years in federal prison. No oh boy. Which is rough. I believe she was out at the time of this episode. I think so, too. Yeah, it appears that she was out. I was thinking about that. Okay. Yeah. So Deborah's husband, Tony, is still waiting for trial and he has deteriorated in his mental health. He has stopped talking completely and declared mentally incompetent for trial. So they treat him for a bunch of years and then finally he's okay. He's talking again and he's okay to stand trial. So it's now like 10 years after the murder that he's finally going on trial. I had feelings about that. I didn't like that. He just stopped talking. I don't feel like he was able to stand. Oh, no, he did talk in the trial. Okay. He said one thing. At the trial, the prosecution says he was furious about the divorce and Melissa's part in it. And Tony's housemate testifies that Tony was scrubbing his arms that night and saying that he got pepper sprayed and his arms were burning, which is like a kind of whatever a smoking gun is. It's like smoking arms. Mm -hmm. Deborah testified that she was jealous, that he was jealous of Melissa because she had taken his place in the household. And then the son testifies and the son says, yes, he was mad about Melissa and her part in this divorce situation. He, this Tony starts crying when the son is testifying. That was sad. That was really sad. And the tests show that Tony's DNA was on Melissa's jacket that they found in the car. So the theory is disgusting, which is that they think when he got pepper sprayed, he was all snotty and he wiped his snot on her jacket after getting pepper sprayed by her said that Tony's roommate is making up the story about the pepper sprayed arms because he wanted the reward. Now, Scott had, again, very generously paid a huge or put up a huge reward, 251,000. I don't know why there was a one in there. 251. I was dying to know. I was dying to know. Is that symbolic of something? 251? I don't know. $251,000 of a reward. Now, the roommate tells this story to the police, applies for that reward, thinks he's going to get this reward. Maybe he was lying. Doesn't matter because the reward money is now gone because of the whole Ponzi scheme. Because of the Ponzi scheme. Yeah, you, yeah. And Scott's going to jail and he's a fugitive and stuff. So there's no money for that. One last victim from Scott. <laughs> he got screwed over too. Yep. Along with those investors. So the defense says, why would he just not kill Deborah? 
That's the main thing. You're di- we've never seen this on Dateline before. We've seen many divorces end in murder, but we've never seen the friend getting the murder. It's weird. It would be like if I encouraged you to leave Oliver and then Oliver killed me because he was so mad about it instead of just killing you. Correct. It's very strange. It's weird. It's bizarre. Yeah. It's, but... It seems like that didn't happen. Maybe it made sense in his head. It's all—it's so weird that it makes me think that it's not the right motive at all or didn't happen, but maybe it made sense in Tony's head somehow. It makes me think that we're not getting all of the information. Let me put it that way, because it seems so far-fetched. So I think there's information that we're not seeing. There's got to be. That's, yeah. Or there's a piece of the puzzle they haven't solved. Yes. Which to me, Scott, Tony being hired by Scott or by someone else to kill Melissa makes more sense to me. Me too. Me too. Than him just doing it because she was spending time with the children and supporting his soon-to-be ex-wife. Right. Yeah. Because they were being friends. Right. Or maybe he thought she was planting ideas in her head, like, you should leave him. But he was abusive and scary, so good. Yes. Yes. That's what any friend would tell. But maybe he doesn't think that. I don't know. It's He doesn't see it that way. It's real weird. Yeah. So they question the son. If you thought this was such a big deal, why didn't you tell your mom that he was so jealous of Melissa? And he said, I didn't see the relevance. And then he said, they said, do you love your dad? And he says, yes. And then Tony is like snotting all over the courtroom all again. Tony has lots of tears and lots of snot. For his son only. For his son only and when he gets pepper sprayed and maybe seasonal allergies. I don't know. Yeah. I I cannot speculate about his medical history. I haven't spoken to his allergist. I left a phone call, but they haven't called me back yet. You did your you did your due diligence. I'm I'm impressed. Yeah, I tried. I left a voicemail. They think there was an error in the cell phone tower data, like one error out of all of this cell phone tower data. And that that makes the whole thing just moot. Throw out all of that data. So Dennis Dennis does that thing that I love where he does this like improv role play where he puts himself in the seat of the person he's talking to and imagines what they would say when they are cross-examining a cell phone expert. And so he's like, so if you're such a hotshot expert, how does that mistake come in? Like he's pretending that he's the guy that he's talking to, the lawyer who is doing the cross exam. I love it when he does that. Should Dennis have been a trial attorney? Yes, I think so. I think so too. Absolutely. Yeah. Or an improv actor. I don't know. I love, he loves to get into character of whoever he's talking to. I love it. So you said this, right? And then they said this, right? He loves that. They attack the credibility of the DNA evidence. They say the DNA evidence was rushed through because of Scott's connections in the police. And it seems first like they're just saying, well, it was rushed through so it was sloppily handled. Then that becomes maybe there was cross-contamination with the DNA evidence. And then that becomes maybe it was contaminated on purpose. And then that becomes like, maybe it was contaminated on purpose to frame Tony. And then the logical conclusion would be Scott is putting pressure on the police to fast track this DNA and put Tony's name in it 
maybe because he had something to do with it. Oh, okay. So they're taking a lot of leaps there, but that's where they're going. They have to discredit all this evidence. Yeah. Tony doesn't testify, which is good. The defense attorney's closing argument includes the phrase, the pieces of the puzzle do not fall into place because reasonable doubt prevents them from falling into place, which I'm not 100% sure what that means. He was tired. Why does we, okay, I get what he's just wants the reasonable doubt phrase to be in there anywhere he can. So he's putting it in wherever he can. That's late at night. Yeah. Yeah. You're just words. Yeah. Words on a computer. Deborah sees Melissa's family outside the courtroom and she feels so guilty that she caused that. And then there's a scene in the courtroom where she's sitting with Melissa's family and she's like rocking Melissa's niece back and forth and stroking her hair, her teenage niece that's very upset. It was so sad, but I'm so glad that they forgave her and didn't blame her for this, that her husband did this. You couldn't. You couldn't blame her. I mean, I could see some people doing it on Dateline, but I'm glad. I could not see a good person doing it. And I think these are good people. But even if you don't blame her, you might just not want to be around her because it maybe just reminds you of the whole thing. But I guess you're in courtroom. So obviously you're going to be reminded of it anyways. But you know what I'm saying? Like maybe you wouldn't want to be actively part of her life anymore, but you wish her no ill will. I think it's nice. It would be very hard not to think, take that as that they blame you if you were the other person. <laughs> no, I just think it would be a reminder of your friend or, or of your family member that you lost. And like when you see her and maybe you had seen her and her husband so much. So then seeing being around her reminds them of Tony and he's the killer. You know, I'm just saying in the future. Yeah, it's very big of them then to not to be able to be around her. Yeah. That's big. That's big hearts. Tony is found guilty and Melissa's aunt addresses the court and says, we forgive you because she, there we go. She's very forgiving people. She forgives Tony. Yeah. Wow. Because she says we must release. We must, we forgive you because we must, and we release you into God's hands. Wow. They're bigger people than I. The judge at this point, I noticed, has a placard on his desk that says professionalism and civility. Anything less will not be tolerated, exclamation point, which made me laugh for some reason. I don't know. Well, yeah, because it's very demanding. And it, oh, absolutely, sir. I understand. Sir, yes. I The exclamation point is what really gets me. I'd be like, yes. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah. Your honor. Wow. Okay. Tony gets life in prison. Melissa's family, because they're angels on earth, go to Tony's family and hug them. Wow. They're just amazing people. Yeah, they are. And they say Melissa's legacy is the garden that she helped build that was for victims. And now her name is on the wall of that garden that she helped fundraise for, which is like heartbreaking. It really is. The memorial. What's it called? Garden of Reflection. Ugh. Yeah. So sad. So sad. And Scott's in prison. So (laughs) Scott could have been his whole different episode. Like, it's like two episodes in one. 
That needed to be a two-hour episode. I'm shocked they managed to make that make sense somehow in the amount of time they did, because that was a lot of information that we got. Yeah. Yeah, that was really shocking. And also the title, well, it's very vague. We'll get to titles. This episode is dedicated to Carrie G, who's been a Patreon for a long time. We just really appreciate you, Carrie G. I wish you nothing but Maseratis, Bugattis, Lamborghinis. Be your own Bugatti, Carrie G. (laughs) B-Y-O-B. Be your own Bugatti. (laughs) That's for you, Carrie G. I don't even know what it means. (laughs) Carrie Carrie knows what it means. Carrie knows. Carrie, we see you. We see you, Carrie. And we see that you're special. Thank you so much for being a Patreon. Thank you, Carrie. B-Y-O-B. Never forget. Without you, we couldn't come up with great t-shirt ideas like that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's such great life advice. Yeah, it is. It's also vague enough that it makes no sense, but it's perfect. But you have to use it with confidence, Kimberly. If you're going to use it, you have to use it. You have to drop it and go. And that's what I believe. Yes, drop it and go. If you've learned (laughs) nothing from me in our short friendship, which is very long, actually a very long friendship with me. It's you got to drop and go. <laughs> it's the problem with doing this podcast is I'm not able to do that. I have to sit here on a microphone. So my pearls of wisdom that I would normally drop and leave you going, what? <laughs> they get broadcast in a very different way. So they don't always work. And then you can edit them out later if you don't like them. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> that is 100% correct. It should be live every week. And then you could just drop it. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> That's where I thought we were going with that. Maybe it should be like you just drop the mic and walk out of the room. And then I'm just sitting there like, should I keep going? Is she coming back? Be your own Bugatti. Be your own Bugatti. I love it. B-roll. <laughs> B-roll. Just so much home footage of Christmas parties with the cigar hanging out of his mouth. I'm not mad at it. They said that she liked, he said that Melissa loved boozy, splashy office parties. And I... That is a great, that's a great visual. There's one clip of the two of them, also with other various women. Yes. And I thought it looks like they're doing karaoke, but there's no audio. Yes, it does. I know the one you're talking about. It's got to be karaoke. And yeah, I bet he loves karaoke. I bet he thinks he's amazing at it. I want to think that they're doing the song from Scrooge. I think he sings Frank Sinatra. Oh, okay. What do you think? Because it's a Christmas party. I want them to do, put a little love in your heart. I want them to sing the song from the end of Scrooge. They're not. I don't think he is. She might. I could see her doing that. But that's a song you could sing as a group. Right. That would be cute. We should do that. But I think he's he thinks he's like super cool and is doing something. Oh, so you think he's doing Fly Me to the Moon? Something like that. Yeah. All right. That's fine. Yeah. And he like loosens his tie. Or my way. Is he doing my way? Yeah, or my way or 100% my way. Yeah. So his also his clothing whenever he's not working is like, am I wrong? Is it's like Ed Hardy? Yeah, it's Miami rich guy casual. Yeah, but he has this baseball cap that's on sideways. Like he's a 16 year old that's pretending to be a rapper. I think he's just kind of funny. I think he's like a guy that kind of likes attention, has a lot of money. And so he just sort of does quirky stuff. He's definitely not a guy that pretends like he's over private flying. He 
is he'll joke around and be like, look how cool we are. We three kings be stealing the gold. He's he is likable. That's the thing. He's not like he doesn't make my skin crawl as much as he did yours. But I don't trust him. Right. Right. (laughs) Does that make sense? Like you still like he's a nice kind of sleazy. I've met guys like that. Um, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know. I, I get it. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Because I guess I just don't feel like Melissa would have stayed working for him if he was sleazy in that other way. I could be wrong. Right. I mean, he was sleeping with his law intern. And how? who knows if he was sleeping with other women at the law firm. But that didn't seem like that. That didn't last a long time. But yeah, you're right. I don't know. I can't say that. I don't know. We don't know if he was that kind of sleazy. We don't know. If he was hitting on all. I just like, is he the type of guy that when he's meeting with these investors, like does he hit on all their wives at dinner parties or is he? No, but I think he is flirtatious in a way that's like office or like party appropriate for something like that, where he like definitely pays attention to the wives to let them know how pretty they are or whatever. I think he's smooth in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, he had to be because all these investors trusted him. Oh, I think he's an incredible salesman. Yeah. Yeah. Or even if they didn't trust him, they saw dollar signs when they he promised them enough and they saw dollar signs. So they were like, well, yeah, because he's all flash. He's all flash. Like it was all like, I don't know. I would have loved to have seen more of him talking because I would like to know. Yeah. How sleazy he came across or how charismatic he came across, because sometimes they're not the same thing. I don't know. And is he charming enough that you could set aside your thoughts that what he's doing is not totally above board, but you're still going to go in on it because you could make a killing? Yeah. That's and yeah, he probably is. That's a really good question. Yeah. Is he that charming? And is he charming enough that where like if he says, don't worry, it's just this one time deal where you're like, okay, yeah, okay, it's just one time. He's treated me really well. The thing is, he's not known around town as being a shady business guy, like somebody else that maybe we were thinking of, like yeah, where it was known for doing these bad business deals and stuff like. And it's been bankrupt tons of times and stuff like that. Right. Not paying his employees. And screwing people over like money begets more money. So these investors have rich other investor friends that they are also bringing on just like Bernie Madoff. And you just have to get a couple big fish at the beginning and then you can get a ton more big fish. Whales. Right. Then everybody wants a piece of the pie. Did you see the Polaroids on the wall in the detective's office? We don't see Polaroids a ton. I like that. Those are expensive, though. That's all I think about when I see Polaroids. I'm like, that film is expensive. It's like a dollar a photo. I think maybe that their department's paying for it. I don't know. I think they're personal Polaroids. I'm not sure. I know, but these departments are always so low on funds, they can barely buy pencils. But I wonder if this is something that they need a Polaroid on something like that because they need to be able to reference it quickly. They can't wait for it to be developed. They can't wait for a dark room. Right. But now they have digital camera. So it's a different world. But anyways, we also got what else was in the detective's office? Oh, he had he was flipping through huge eight by tens. Wow. Like of Scott's face and things like that. (laughs) I don't want to look at that. It was really weird. And then did you see we got Deborah typing at the beginning on the keyboard? And she had this really big like ring on that looked like David Yerman, I think. 
You know who I'm talking about? They're like kind of specific rings, but they're pricey. I was like, oh, jewelry. She's bounced back from her time in federal prison. I don't know if she had to pay any fines. But she obviously was away from her kids for four years. How did, who's, I guess her husband. No, Tony was in prison. Who took care of those children? I think she had good family. I think Deborah made a mistake. I'm going to give Deborah the benefit of the doubt. Sue me, but, well, don't sue me. No, I feel, I, I am inclined to do that as well. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We also get to see her walking by water at one point. Yes. Fashion police. Oh, yes. Tony. There's one photo of Scott in a brown plaid suit with a huge red hanky. And I was like, who do you think you are? Sir Josh Mankiewicz? I don't think so. Unhappy. Also, I didn't like the brown plaid. This is what's so weird is that I did not pick up on any of Scott's fashion stuff. There's so many close up headshots of him with like suits on and they just all look, he just looks so gross. I can't even express how. He's just like going in and spending money. I don't know. I don't think he has. There's a difference between having money and having taste. 100%. He's nouveau riche. To the core. To the core. The stack of watches that are like so blinged out. They're not like. There are expensive watches that don't look expensive. Do you know what I'm saying? That just look nice. There's two different kinds of that sort of thing. No, this is like... This is like, I'm going to buy the Matt Hummer. You know, the photo of Melania with the carriage in the gold room? Yeah. This is what that is. Did you see Tony, though, in the picture with Deb? He has the, like, metallic shirt on. Did you see it? No. It's shiny and it's like brown and copper stripes with like gold metallic. Yeah, Tony. But this is Florida. It's one of the first shirts they show him in. And for some reason, I zoomed in on that. I missed all of Scott's stuff. But (laughs) Tony's metallic shirt, I was like, what the what? (laughs) Driving a train wearing metallics. That is something. Look at you. That's his fancy going out shirt. We're stereotyping against train conductors. I'm not. Maybe now they're all flash and that was old school train conducting where you had to. Look, I'm not mad. I'm surprised because like it's surprising when somebody like has a real job and then they go out at night to a dinner and they're like in a shiny metal shirt is surprising. And it's like, oh, Miami. Miami. It's that Miami flavor. There we go. There we have Miami. Yeah, I like it. We also see a photo of Melissa at work and she's wearing a pumpkin sweater. It's clearly like Halloween. It has like bats on it and pumpkins. I'm never going to be mad at a seasonal sweater. You're not going to you're not going to get me on that. It's no, I loved it. It was adorable. I'm all about it. If you even knew the holiday sweater that I did not get for our holiday, I can't. I have to find it again. I lost it. You're going to love it. It's okay. Here we go. Can we talk about the son in court or not so much? Yeah, I just felt badly for him. For his hat? Don't wear your hat to court. That's just, I just want to say, don't wear your ball cap to court. But the best thing I can say is that he did take the hat off and he left the wraparound sunglasses on the brim. Like, so it looks like he would be a 
bow, but at least he took them. Maybe the court asked him to take off his hat and maybe he was wearing it. He's wearing a button up shirt. He was wearing the hat because when he's in court, he has the band of hair. Like when you just take off your cap and you have a band right there, it gets pressed in. But it was the more, I'm sorry, the more what I'm talking about is the way he was holding his hat in court when he was, I think he was incredibly nervous. I do, everything about his body language was like, I do not want to be here. He's hunched over. He looked so uncomfortable to be there. I feel bad for that situation. He did not want to be there. I felt really bad for it. I'm just commenting on it because we don't often see someone coming to court in a ball hat, like in a baseball hat. We would have been remiss if we didn't mention it. But I think he just straight up didn't. I think he had to come and really didn't want to. He's He had to come and testify against his dad. He didn't know what to wear. No one told him. His mom's not there anymore to tell him what to... Oh, his mom is there. His mom is Deborah. Sorry, his mom should have told him. His mom is there. I think his mom told him he had to come and I think he really didn't want to. That stinks. Maybe it's his favorite hat. It's like his lucky hat. So he did it to get him through the emotional support. I think he's just a hat guy. A lot of people just wear hats. Yeah, it's true. I just feel like it makes my head so sweaty that I don't ever gravitate towards them. That's just me. You need a chill pad for your head. I know. I'm already thinking, can I put the chill pad out on the couch and wear it when we record? Because then... Oh, you could do that. There you go. That, I mean, my butt wouldn't be so sweaty. There you go. Let's do titles. I have so many and they're all just adequate. Oh, well, that's great because I, I only have two. Well, one, I couldn't really get there. Something like snotty evidence. Like, is there a phrase with evidence that rhymes with snot? Because then there, because there actual was evidence that was snot. If snot for the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a statement. He would have been in jail a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know. I had by the crook of the books. Don't know. Okay. It's not good. I don't know why I wrote it, but it was good enough for me to write. An unflattering suit because I thought all of his suits were terrible and the suits were all false. That's really good. An ill-fitting suit. Yeah, I like it. Ill-fitting suit. Murder on the Choo Choo Express. I don't know where I was going with that. A tacky suit. Okay, there's a way we can do this suit one. An outlandish suit. Okay, anyways, go ahead. All right. (laughs) Flies on my meat. But if it was a rom-com, it would be flies on my meat cute. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. We three douchebags. Yeah. That's not that original. The husband did it. And then in parentheses, but just a different husband. Just the other husband. Yeah, that's good. Exactly. But also the sister thought it might be her husband too. So there's like, we three husbands and it's just one of, we three husbands, one of us did, are doing the murder. Yeah. Okay. But it's a different twist on the husband did it really that we've never seen before. It really is, isn't it? I still am not a hundred percent. I really need to see the evidence. I know I say that every time. I need more information. I need a schematic. (laughs) I know. I don't, I'm not 100% convinced he did it, but there's so much evidence, the DNA and the cell phone ping. So they made all of that up. Like they framed him with all of this evidence. I don't totally buy that. Sorry, she was found in the river, right? A canal. I am very sorry. She did seem very cool. So nice and just. Sorry to her family. Ugh. That's all I have. That was it. Oh, OK. I have 
pepper spray, pings, and Ponzi, colon, the Melissa Lewis case. But I feel like that should be the Lewis Rothstein cases, something like that. Yeah, I like that better. Oh, wait, how about pepper spray, pings, and Ponzi, the Lewis Rothstein connection? Mm hmm. Yeah. We three peas. Or that could just be pepper spray, pings, and Ponzi and associates. Pepper spray, pings, Ponzi, and associates. That's the name yeah. of the law firm. <laughs> Wait a minute. I want to go back really quick because I had a few dentist lines that you missed. Hang on. You got the braggadocio success, right? No, I don't know if I did. That Rothstein had braggadocio success. Braggadocio? Braggadocio. We could have just called the episode braggadocio. Braggadocio. I've heard braggadocious. I, I did think I said he was braggadocious. Or did I say bombastic? I don't know what I said. Maybe I took it from Dennis. Maybe he seeped into my brain. I think you said braggadocious, but what Dennis actually said was braggadocio. Yeah, I definitely don't think I even heard that. Braggadocio? Okay, here we go. And then the other one that he said was, so we're in foul play country with this investigation. (laughs) I love when we're in a country. So that could also be the title, foul play country. I freaking love when we are in... Like, because I feel like there was another episode where he said, we're in murder con- or we're in motive country. We're right. We're in motive co- or county. And I was like, are we in county country? Mount- I think he does it in almost every episode. He adds a location. It's such like a personal, like little, what's that called when you have personal quirks of sayings? It's called something. I'm forgetting what it's called. It's just his little mannerisms. Yeah. It's like an idiom that idioms that he uses only his colloquialism is not native of any area. It is just Dennis colloquialisms. We're in foul play country. Yeah. (laughs) I love him. We're in braggadocio foul play country here. (laughs) Braggadocio. I need a T-shirt. I want to. I'm someday we're going to be braggadocio. No, we're not. We're not. (laughs) Unless we get law degrees. Oh, that was something that was really cool when they were talking about how Melissa like took the GED track. She didn't graduate high school. And then the mom like very quickly clarified that she was not a dropout. She was just ready to move on from high school, which I was like, that's completely valid. A like. Yeah. And she, I think went to law school a little, like she went in her late twenties and she breezed past all the other students. She was a smart lady. I think there's also something to be said for, you don't always know what you're going to do right after. Like, there's nothing wrong. I have a good friend who went in her later 20s to law school and she did well uh-huh. and like was sure that she wanted it. You know what I'm saying? So because that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself to do a school like that. I don't know why I'm giving a lecture. It's fine. Do what you want with your life. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think you're right. Katie's saying take a gap year or seven and work out in the real world and then go to grad school. And grad school is not for everyone. College is not for everyone. If there are any high school seniors listening to our podcast. (laughs) Maybe try a trade school. Maybe, you know, there's lots of things you can do. Just contact us for advice. It's fine. Don't do that. Please don't contact us. Our lives are working out great. So definitely follow us. Don't contact us about this. No, this is a, a side that is probably, I'm not sure if it's correct or not. Anyways. It sounded good to me. Oh, good. Excellent. I like that. Thank you, everybody. Do we have anything else? No, I'm tra- I'm looking. I'm making sure. No, nope, just braggadocio. What did I write? Mugatti. 
Bugatti. I couldn't even spell it right. <laughs> I'd never seen one of those cars. I knew what it was. I knew the name of it. And then I saw it. I didn't know it cost a million dollars. I think it's, I think there's only like a certain number made. Yeah, that's insane. What happened to the yacht? Yeah, I don't know. Was he married? We didn't hear about a wife. I'm sure there's a lot of outside info we could have looked up on this. And I'm sure someone is going to contact us from the area that knows all about this. Yeah. So can't wait. Love it. I want to know. Thank you, everybody. Follow us on Instagram. We're so close to 10,000. I want to swipe up, guys. Come on. Please do it for Kimber. Hashtag let Kimber swipe. Yes. 21. It's time. That's our goal for the year. And follow us on Twitter and please leave us an iTunes, Apple podcast review. And thank you. Consider joining our Patreon. Yeah, there's all sorts of fun stuff coming. We have Drag Race Brunch, a couple more. Yeah. Every month for our $10 Patreons, we do a, a live stream, which is very fun. And then we do a whole extra episode for anyone at the $5 tier. And last month, I recapped a Lifetime movie for Katie. That was so much fun for on our live stream. And I really want, I'm really hoping it's going to happen again this month. (laughs) I'm not putting any pressure on. I'm just, that would be great. No, this month we're going to try to live watch the Lori Vallow Lifetime movie with all of our Patreons on the live stream. So I think that'll be really fun. I cannot wait. That's going to be excellent. Thank you, everybody. Bye, everyone. And don't forget, be your your own. Bugatti. <laughs> and stay fresh, cheese bags. Object. I would have said one to you, too. I would have said you a tiny little gold tiger. You sent me the gaudiest snow globe that is like a Jew's explosion. I did. It is. It's like a menorah and a star of David and dreidels. And it's all covered in like gold and blue. And it's actually called the Judaism explosion. That's what it's called. It is so over the top. It is. You bought it purely because it's hilarious. And that's why I keep it because it's purely hilarious. It's wonderful. Yeah. Doesn't it play music too? I think it's a music box. I think it probably plays a Jewish song of some sort. Yes. I'm so, I loved that thing. Yeah. It's the water is half gone out of it and it's still there. Oh, yeah, because it's so funny. Where does the water go in snow globes? How does it evaporate? I don't know, but it always does. It eventually goes away. I know. Adam actually made a joke because I had to because I was like, I, I'm so sorry. We have to record a day late. I, I know I do this to you every week. I'm literally driving the whole thing. And he's like, we could just have Kimberly do the recap. You could take a break. I'll just insert ums and yes. And I said, I'll send you a list of horrible puns. I'll just record <laughs> them into a microphone. They just insert them at will. Oh, my God. Terrible phrases. Yeah. <laughs> Be your own Bugatti. <laughs>